RTHK, the news at 11 o'clock with Andrew Shirovsky. Tonight's headlines, the chief executive says the Article 23 legislation being drafted will specifically target espionage. A government COVID advisor welcomes the chief executive's announcement that he hopes to lift all pandemic restrictions by the end of this year. And the mainland's population falls for the first time since 1961. Chief Executive John Lee says he hopes Hong Kong can introduce its own national security legislation under Article 23 of the Basic Law as soon as this year or next year at the latest. Foreign spies will be the key target, as Maggie Ho reports. In an interview with a commercial daily newspaper, John Lee revealed that officials compiled the first draft of the legislation before the 2019 social unrest. However, the CE said that after seeing how external forces tried to interfere in Hong Kong's affairs, he had asked the Security Bureau to revise the draft to tackle, as he put it, the most extreme situations. Mr. Lee said the draft now specifically targeted espionage. He noted that foreign agents could carry out activities under the guise of media outlets or bogus organizations. The CE said some such organizations would leave Hong Kong after they are prosecuted. But Mr. Lee wants to set up what he describes as a firewall, so they won't even think about coming in the first place. Mr. Lee also told Commercial Daily he hopes to lift all remaining COVID restrictions this year and wants to end mandatory mask wearing this quarter. A University of Hong Kong infectious diseases expert Ivan Hung said easing the rules is easing the rules soon is possible because the SAR's population has a high level of hybrid immunity from vaccinations and earlier infections. Definitely a very possible and realistic plan to lift all the uh, infection control measures within this year. Uh, in fact, I think this could be done even earlier. Perhaps, first of all, lifting the isolation order after the Chinese New Year if there's no further surge of cases. And secondly, perhaps removing the mask mandate in early March will also be, uh, be feasible. The Education Bureau says the daily rapid antigen test required for students and teaching staff will stay until February the 28th. In a letter to schools, the Bureau said it made the decision after considering the infection risks that may be brought about by social activities during the holidays. Full-day face-to-face classes will resume in phases from February after the Lunar New Year holiday. An official opening ceremony has taken place for the first facility in Hong Kong specifically designed to offer support and counseling for children from ethnic minority families with special education needs. Zubin's Family Center works with government primary schools to offer therapy to pupils who have ADHD and autism. The center at Austin MTR Station is run by a local NGO, the Zubin Foundation, which is one of the beneficiaries of the Operation Santa Claus fundraising run by RTHK and the South China Morning Post. Clinical psychologist Dr. Ravina Lalvani says the Zubin Center is a great help to Louine Manzanillo and her son who's one of her patients. Louie is, she, she's been with the Zubin Foundation for a year now. And her son receives counseling at the Zubin Foundation. I and mean, it's been a couple of months, I think from September, October of last year. And he comes in, you know, very regularly and we work on a social emotional development, intergenerational trauma, any kind of anxiety. The National Bureau of Statistics in Beijing has released data showing the mainland's population fell last year by about 850,000, the first decline since 1961. The world's most populous country saw its birth rate slow to the lowest ever level, while the death rate rose slightly. 
an expert in population policy from the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, Stuart Gittelbastian, says a falling population and an aging demographic are here to stay, but they're only a problem if the central government fails to adapt. You can't turn that around. This is the new paradigm for the next 100 years. So there's really no point in thinking about whether it's a problem or not, because we have to respond to it. And the government has been responding to it. Hong Kong has gone through this process, you know, of of shifting from a, a younger population to an older population. And that is inevitably what China will have to continue to do to transform and evolve its society and its economy in the face of these new demographic circumstances. And the weather forecast, mainly cloudy, becoming fine, dry tomorrow, cold in the morning, minimum temperature of about 12 degrees in urban areas, few degrees lower in the new territories. Top temperature about 18 degrees, winds moderate north to northeasterly. Currently is 13 degrees with a relative humidity 65%. The time is now 5 minutes past 11. You're listening to RTHK. The National Bureau of Statistics in Beijing also re- released GDP figures showing the economy grew by 2.9% in the fourth quarter of last year, beating analysts' expectations. For the f- full year, growth was at 3%. The director of the National Bureau of Statistics, Kang Yi, said through an interpreter that the country's economy with- withstood high winds and choppy waters last year. In 2022, Domestic demand is shrinking, there are supply shocks and weakening expectations. The triple pressure remains significant. Zhang Jiarui, a fellow at the Tianhe Institute and an assistant professor in economics at Nottingham University Business School, says the aging population has many implications for China's economy, though a lot of countries face similar issues. For the population aging, there are many implications for economic performance. One is the large burden uh, for the old people. China is in short of the pension funds for the old people. And the other is that we lack labors, the labor market, and also the consumption ability due to the uh, income redistributions problems. But population aging is not a single problem for China, but for many economies. So China's objective, on one hand, is to slow down the population aging process. On the other hand, is to escape from the middle income level when this population aged. Otherwise, if China's income level remains middle income level, but the population aging is very serious, then that would be problematic for China's further growth potentials. The government says a further 6,000 tickets for the express rail link to and from the mainland will be available from tomorrow, taking the total to 20,000 per day. It's the second time in as many days the quota has been raised, after the authorities added 4,000 daily tickets yesterday. The Immigration Department says a record number of Hong Kongers have been applying for passports as people make the most of the easing of COVID travel restrictions. It says it's received more than 100,000 applications per month since October. 
department also says there's been brisk travel to the mainland since quarantine rules were dropped a little over a week ago, with more than 200,000 people heading north and 140,000 people crossing into Hong Kong. The deputy director of immigration, Tai Chi Yun, told an end-of-year media briefing that they'd worked hard to ensure a smooth return to travel. During the last three years, when uh, most of the control points were closed, many of our main employers have been deployed to support our other duties. For example, the visa application, travel document applications, and new identity card visual exercise. So when we prepare for the reopening of some of the major control points, we have deployed roughly 2,000 staff back to the control points to get prepared to ensure the smooth operation. Cafe Pacific's flight attendants union says it will begin a work-to-rule protest on Thursday, despite the airline's insistence that it has addressed concerns about rosters. Vanessa Chang reports. The Cafe Pacific Airways Flight Attendants Union said last month that it was considering a work-to-rule protest to seek better roster arrangements and longer layovers for its members. It says the airline hasn't responded to its demands and that management rejected a request for a meeting today. However, Cafe says it's been communicating directly with cabin crew and has implemented changes to its rosters from this month in response to their concerns. It's told passengers that services will continue as scheduled. In a separate development, Cafe has followed Hong Kong Express in cancelling some flights to Japan next month in response to restrictions imposed by the Japanese authorities. It says passengers will be moved to other flights and customers don't need to get in touch. Meanwhile, the union said it had withdrawn an application to stage a rally tomorrow after Cafe declined permission for the event to take place on its premises. The union said it would, with that without the company's consent, it would not get the letter of no rejection, no objection from the police required for a protest to go ahead. A cafe passenger, Yvonne, who was setting off for Thailand this morning, said she was worried the union's action will affect her return flight. I worry I cannot on time to home. I worry about their service is no good. This is my main concern. I hope uh, everything is fine and don't make too trouble to the travelers. Overseas now, the Vietnamese president, Nguyen Xuan Phuc, has resigned shortly after the departure of two deputy prime ministers. All have lost their jobs in the name of an anti-corruption campaign launched by the Communist Party Secretary General. The BBC's Jonathan Head has more details. The hardline Secretary General, Nguyen Phu Chong, who was given an unprecedented third term at last year's party congress, appears to be consolidating his authority by ousting senior officials seen as more pro-Western and pro-business. Officially, this is all happening in the name of fighting corruption, a big problem in Vietnam, but is indicative of a power struggle at the top. This is unlikely to change Vietnam's overall trajectory, but the likely rise now of more security-focused officials will be bad news for human rights and for those few Vietnamese brave enough to criticize the party. Civil servants in Sri Lanka have been warned their salary payments are being delayed. The country is struggling to tackle its debts. The BBC's Ambarasan Ettirajan has the details. 
Sri Lanka is facing its worst ever economic crisis. Its foreign reserves are not enough to import essential items like fuel and the government's tax revenues are way below its expenditure. Sri Lanka has a 1.5 million strong public service. The payment of salaries of tens of thousands of officials is to be delayed by up to a week. Last week, the government ordered all ministries to make a 5% reduction in spending. A suspected former senior member of the Islamic State group has been detained in the Netherlands. The Syrian man who has not been named will appear in court in The Hague on Friday. The BBC's Anna Holligan has more details. The 37-year-old was arrested in Arkel, a town in South Holland, where prosecutors said he settled after applying for asylum in 2019. Between 2013 and 2018, he's suspected of playing senior roles in ISIS and Jabhat al-Nusra, both listed as terrorist organizations in Europe. He is said to have operated in and around the Yarmouk refugee camp, south of the Syrian capital, Damascus, and of contributing to war crimes. To sports, and we start with tennis, where Novak Djokovic has played his first Australian Open match since his deportation from the country ahead of last year's tournament because of a row over his vaccination status. The nine-time champion swept past Spain's Roberto Cabales by Baena 6-3, 6-4, 6-love. Speaking ahead of the match, Djokovic said last year's experience hadn't changed his opinion about Australia. If I do hold the grudges and, and probably uh, if I'm not able to move on, I wouldn't be here, you know. And, and also I have to say that the amount of positive experiences I had in Australia overwhelmed the negative experience maybe of last year. So, you know, my impression of, of Australia, my vision of Australia has always been very positive and that has reflected on my performance and my results are a testament to how I feel here. Earlier, Andy Murray rolled back the years to defeat 13th seed Matteo Berrettini in a five-set epic on a sweltering day that saw play suspended for three hours on most courts. In the women's draw, Carolyn Garcia and Arena Sabalenka, the fourth and fifth seeds, both swept into the second round. Frances Garcia took just 65 minutes to overwhelm Canadian qualifier Catherine Zeboff and cement her status as a contender for the first Grand Slam of the year. Sabalenka beat the Czech Republic's Teresa Martinkova 6-1-6-4. The Belarusian player was happy with the win, but admitted she could improve her performance. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't that easy match, and I'm super happy to start with the win. And I think I need to work on my mindset. I have to be calm, and I have to just fight for every point and uh, don't get upset with uh, every mistake I'm making. So I think I, I really believe that this is the only thing missing in my game. In the NFL playoffs, the lineup for the divisional round is now complete after the Dallas Cowboys beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14 in the final NFC wildcard matchup this morning. The Cowboys go to San Francisco to take on the 49ers on Monday morning, our time. And in rugby union, Ken Owens has been named as Wales captain for the Six Nations as returning coach Warren Gatlin announced his 37-man squad for the championship. The Scarlet Hooker has seen off competition for the role from other senior players, including Alan Wynne-Jones, Justin Tuperk, and Dan Bigar. And to end the news, a top story tonight, Chief Executive says Article 23 le- legislation being drafted will target espionage. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio Free Heavenly shades of night are falling 
It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple-colored curtains Mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time to one and all a very good evening thanks for tuning into twilight time mondays to fridays at 11 15 45 minutes of music from a bygone era if you'd like a song do send me an email radio pete at gmail the first one for you tonight is a fantastic interpretation of gershwin's rhapsody in blue it is duke ellington together at last at twilight time 